Okay, Bukir Tov, good morning. It's great to be back to our Amuna Shir, our weekly Amuna support group, which is basically what we are. Um, so today, though we don't study the Parsha, we have a separate Shir for the Parsha, but this Parsha is rich with the topic of Amuna. In fact, yesterday in the Parsha Shir, we spent much of the time developing the theme that's in our Parsha, which is Moshe's communication to the people that their life in the Midbar, their life in the desert, was really defined and characterized by their connection with Hashem. He, he provided everything for them, whether it was the Anana Yaakov that gave the physical protection, the man, the food without effort or work, the be'er, the water, and so on and so forth. And now they're going to go into Israel where they're going to exert their own effort, take initiative, set up an agricultural system and a judicial system and a police force and an army. And the, on the one hand, it's wonderful to exert effort. On the other hand, take initiative. On the other hand, that could lead to a sense of independence, uh, who needs Hashem? I'm in control. I'm responsible for my own success. And because that's such a fear for Moshe, he uh, spends the bulk of our parsha in different ways, but really trying to communicate to the people, don't get haughty, don't get arrogant, don't think that you're independent, but always throughout life realize that you depend on Hashem. So if you want to listen to a good Amunah shir, yesterday's parsha shir was really all about Amuna. But in our parsha twice, and again in next week's parsha, and really many times in Sefer Dvarim, are, is a specific mitzvah. The mitzvah is only counted once, though it's enumerated several times. And that is the mitzvah of dveikus. We've spent a lot of time on dveikus, the idea of clinging to Hashem, of feeling Hashem's presence in our life. And, and that happens, you know, we've discussed this again many, many times. But you can, you can understand Hashem theoretically. You can study Hashem philosoph- philosophically in the abstract. There's a God, He created the universe, what is the evidence that He exists, um, and so on. And then there's the notion of feeling Hashem's presence in our life, that He's involved in our life, so that after the fact, when you interpret the things that happen in your life, you interpret them through the prism of they, they must come from Hashem. Nothing is random, nothing is chance. We interpret everything that happens in our life through the prism of there is a divine choreographer in the sky, and He coordinates everything that happens. But then there's the third mitzvah, and that's this mitzvah. And that's the notion of dveikus, which is not just theoretically an abstract, and it's not just bitachon, which is putting your trust in Hashem in terms of interpreting life's events and experiences, but it's a notion that really permeates us 24-7. It's the idea that as we're going through life, certainly in the good times, but also in the hard times, to realize I'm clinging with Hashem, I'm sticking with Hashem. Everything is from Him. And just when I begin to lose my breath, and just when I begin to feel overwhelmed, and just when I begin to feel overwhelmed with anxiety, I have to practice dveikus. That's exactly when I have to stick with Him. Stick with Him. So a person's going through a challenge and they don't know what to do health-wise, and the doctor says, look, just stick with me. I've given you the regimen. I'm an expert. I went to school for a thousand years for this. I've treated 10,000 patients with this. And just stick with me. And, and just take a deep breath. Stop Googling at night. Stop uh, overanalyzing and think you can control your destiny. Just stick with me. I'm telling you I know what's best for you. I'm doing everything that you need to have done. Set aside your anxiety and worries and stick with me. And that's what Gersh Baruch says. The Meshachachma of Meir Simcha Dvinsk, his interpretation of the mitzvah of Dveikos, Devek is glue. Hashem says, glue, stick with me. Stick with me. In hard times and in good times, no matter what life throws your way, when you're ready to feel, when you feel abandoned by me, or when you feel all alone, or when you feel isolated, or when you feel hopeless, stick with me. Always stick with me. And know that there is a master plan. And that is the mitzvah of Dveikos. I'll just, I don't want to give over the whole Parsha Shir again from yesterday today, but I'll just tell you that when the, when the Parsha says, Hashem says, if you stick with me, then I will heal you. I am your great doctor. 
I'm the doctor in the sky, and chol choli v'chol madve mitzrayim. Two things, the choli, ailment, and madve mitzrayim, the maladies of Egypt. What's the difference between choli and madve mitzrayim? If you want to pass these down. Choli and madve mitzrayim. So the, uh, the Yerushalmi says that Madve Mitzrayim are the physical elements, but Kocholi is Rayon, the Yerushalmi says. And that means that we, we live with being at risk and sometimes suffering in two dimensions. We have physical elements, aches and pains and problems, and some people have chronic illness and chronic problems. There's physical issues that we have to see a physical doctor and take a physical medicine. There are physical issues. But then there's also spiritual slash emotional slash mental issues that we have. And I'm not talking about rising to the level of um, clinical, where you've been diagnosed. That needs treatment, it needs medicine. And I want to be very clear I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about the low-line level of anxiety and angst that we live with. That's holy v'chol madve mitzrayim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is promising us that if you stick with me, if you live with your Shemayim, then you're not going to have the physical, nor are you going to have the mental, emotional, spiritual. Now, do people who have amuna have physical problems? Absolutely. Do people who have amuna suffer from anxiety? Absolutely. There are illnesses that are diagnosed that are clinical, and they need classic treatments 100% and absolutely. But it means when it doesn't rise to that level, and how we how we are able to um, survive, how we're able to cope with those physical and emotional, spiritual, mental ailments. When we have Yerushalayim, when we live with a sense of Dveikus, when we cling to Hashem, it empowers us. It gives us the will, it gives us the, the energy, it gives us the ability. I should have brought, I read an article that I set aside earlier this summer for this group about this extraordinary man in Israel, a Breslover Chassid. Who suffered terribly, but he had unbelievable amuna. He passed away. And some of the quotes would, would have been perfect for this. But I'll mention it in the, in the future weeks. But it empowers us. It gives us the strength and the support to not be hopeless. And to be able to realize that as much pain as we're enduring in this world, but this world is not the end all and be all. There are people that we've lost who will be reunited with. And there are ailments that we're suffering, that there'll be meaning and purpose to that suffering. And that there are, um, that there's hope and that there's a light at the end of our tunnel when we live with that sense of tzveikos, when we cling to Hashem, it empowers and it gives us the strength to overcome that madve mitzrayim and that choli, whatever it is that we're facing, whatever it is that we are encountering. It's the one form of awe or fear which is not debilitating but is liberating. Every other anxiety is debilitating. Anxiety is debilitating. You can't sleep at night, your blood pressure goes up, your cholesterol goes up, your cardiovascular system fails, you're, you, you end up with physical diseases, you can't sleep at night, you end up with insomnia because you can't shut down your brain from all of its worries and fears. You're overwhelmed by all the things you have to do. Will they get done? You're overwhelmed by what you can't control. You're overwhelmed by what will be. You can't sleep. You can't, you, it, it destroys, compromises relationships because the stress and strain that are placed on a relationship by walking around as a nervous cholera all day, you're driving the people around you crazy. And the answer, the antidote, so fear in general is horrible. Fear is paralyzing, it's debilitating. If you have a fear of heights and fear of darkness and fear of going out, it's debilitating. But when you live Yerushamayim, when you live with a sense of Dveikus, it's liberating. Because now you realize, I wrote down all the things I have to do, they'll get done. And if they don't get done, they won't get done. And everything will be okay because everything is orchestrated and designed from above. So let's go through this a piece in the Slanam Rebbe about Dveikus. It happens to be in our Parsha because our Parsha mentions the mitzvah of Dveikus, but it's reinforcing Ideas we've studied previously and new ideas we'll see as well. So the Pasuk says, It says that Hashem we should have awe of 
and serve him. Ubo tidbak, glue, stick with him like glue. And then you can swear in his name. And again, at the end of the parsha, it says, "To love Hashem, to walk in all of His ways, to cling to Him." This is to walk in all of His ways. Why? We know the greatest form of flattery is imitation. Imitation is the greatest form of flattery. If you want to flatter Hashem, imitate Him. How do you imitate Hashem? You can't split the sea. You can't make frogs. You can't... How do you imitate Hashem? You imitate Hashem because Hashem has given us... He's handed over to us a list of His core character traits. Who He is and what drives Him. So whether it's Keor Rachum Lechanun, these Yid Gimel Midos that we're supposed to emulate, we'll start reading them very soon. Soon it will be Elul, as in next week. And uh, the Svardim, our brothers down the hall, will start saying Slichos daily. And we will shortly after that start saying slichos as well. And in it, we invoke these Yud Gimel Midos. The Gemara Rosh Hashanah says that when we, we learned this, when the Jewish people failed, when we sinned, when we made a horrible, egregious mistake, miscalculation, Hashem was ready to destroy us. I can't take this people. They're incorrigible. They're terrible. So they're hopeless. Moshe intervenes and intercedes on our behalf, and he wins favor. Hashem says, okay, fine. And he teaches Moshe how to say these Yud Gimel Midos, the 13 attributes, the divine attributes. You want to know who Hashem is? If you had to speak under Hashem's chuppah, if you had to speak at Hashem's bar mitzvah and say nice things about Him, then what you'd say is, He's Rachum Vechanun, He's Erech Apayim, He's Rav Chesed. These aren't just redundant synonyms. Each one touches another aspect of who Hashem is. Different forms of mercy, different forms of kindness. They are the core attributes of who Hashem is. And Hashem handed over that formula to Moshe. And most people mistakenly think Hashem handed us that formula and said, listen, when you mess up, these are the magic words. You know, it's like in marriage. It's like a wife says to the husband, when you get married, look, if you mess up and I'm angry at you, if you just tell me that I'm this, that, and the other thing, I can't help but forgive you. So I don't think that would work in marriage. If the husband really messes up, it's not really a very, it's a very shallow relationship. If all he has to say to her is, did I mention that you look beautiful today? And how smart and charming and accomplished you are, and you're the best cook, and you're the best mother, and you're the best... And she says, fine, you know, okay, I forgive you. So that, that doesn't say much about her, and it doesn't say much about the relationship. And the same is true with Hashem. If all we do is recite this formula, Hashem, have I mentioned that you're Rachum and Chanun and Erech Apayim and Rav Chesed? Have I told you, Hashem, how mighty and great and handsome you are? Oh, shucks, fine, I forgive you. Like, that's ridiculous. That's not who Hashem is. And what is that about a relationship? So the Maharal in his commentary on that Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, in Chidush HaGodos, the Maharal says... Notice it doesn't say, Imru lefanai. It doesn't say, Kodesh doesn't say, recite before me this formula of 13 attributes. What does the Kodesh Baruch say? Ya'asu lefanai. Hashem gave us that formula, not for us to repeat it as an empty text, as an empty liturgy or formula. Hashem gave us the formula because what He's saying is, look, you claim to love me, you want to know how to win favor in me when I'm annoyed at you, when I'm upset at you, when I'm disappointed in you? Here's what matters to me. Show me it matters to you. Here's what I define my existence by. Have it be what shapes your existence. And if it's what shapes your existence, if you imitate me, if what matters to me matters to you, I don't know, I, I have perfect children, so I'm talking about someone else's children. But sometimes I hear with other people's children that they cannot be responsive to what you want whether it's a certain religious values, whether it's certain derech values. So it's possible, I've had to on occasion say to some of my children, you know, you want me to care about what matters to you, 
when you need a ride to the mall, when you need help with your homework, when you want to buy such and such and I have to pay for it, you want me to care about what matters to you, why don't you care about what matters to me? By the way, what matters to you, I could care less about. But I do it because I care about you. So if it matters to you, I do it because it matters to you, even though, frankly, I could care less about it. I don't need you to have that thing, and I don't need you to go to that place. And I don't, but it makes you happy. It means something to you, so it means something to me. So what about the inverse? When something means something to me, why do you dismiss it? And why do you act like you don't care about it? How come you're not responsive to it? Here's how a relationship works. Even though something doesn't matter to me, if it matters to you, I want to do it. And therefore, I'm asking you that even if something doesn't matter to you, if I'm asking because it matters to me, please do it. About the way you dress or the way you speak or the way you live or what time you woke up or how you speak to others or what your grades are or whatever it is. In, again, I'm talking about my neighbor's kids. So, <laughs> not my own. So, Kodesh Baruch Hu says, here's what matters to me. Racham Chanan Erech Rav Chesed. Show me it matters to you and you, what you want will matter to me. But if what I want doesn't matter to you, why should what you want matter to me? So you're going to daven and say, Hashem, give me parnasa and children, give me a nice house and a nice car, give me this, give me this, give me this. Hashem says, why should what you want matter to me? What I want doesn't matter to you. What I'm trying to express, and really what is the theme of this Amunah shir and every single shir that we give, is that, and this is so unfortunately not emphasized, whether it's in formal Jewish education or whether it's the informal continued Jewish education as adults the rest of our lives, we fail to emphasize enough that at the core we are in a relationship with the Ribbon Shalom. And it parallels the relationship we have in marriage and with our children and with our employer and with our friends. In fact, in Kabbalah it explains, Histako Ba'oraisa Ubare Alma, Hashem created a world. What did Hashem do? Histako He looked in the Torah, then He created a world. What does that mean? It means lest we think Hashem created this world, and then He said, oh, huh, I made a world with food and appetite, better come up with some rules for that. Here's the laws of kashras. Huh, I came up with two genders, man and woman, and there's some romantic uh, interest and drive. Huh, I better come up with some rules for that. Here's Taras and Mishpacha. No, it's the opposite. Hashem says, I want them to be disciplined. I know, I'll invent something called food. They'll be really tempted by it, and they'll have to be disciplined in it. I want them to understand romance because I want them to relate to me with love and romance and intimacy. I know I'll create something called men and women and give them a taste of what that is in the physical level. So they explain, He looked in the Torah and created the world means it's not in the order we think. He didn't create a world and then he gave us the guide and how to live it. First he said, what are the values? What am I trying to transmit? And now how can I create a world which will elicit those values? So therefore, in the Kabbalah, it's explained in Kabbalah. Now that I'm an old man with a gray beard, I can quote Kabbalah. So it's explained in Kabbalah that in fact, every relationship we have is a metaphor for a component of a relationship we have with Hashem. Every relationship we have in this world is a metaphor for the relationship we have with Hashem. That doesn't mean that the relationships are not themselves genuine and authentic too. Your parents are your parents and you should love them. And we who are blessed, and all who want should be blessed to have children, understand what it means to be parents, to be children and parents. Those are authentic, they're genuine, they're real, beautiful. Be enriched by them. But know that they're there so that we could relate to Hashem, that we are His children, and we understand what it means that He's our Father. Without that paradigm, we wouldn't understand that component of that relationship, of what it means to be a parent who will do anything unconditionally for a child. And what it means to be a child who gets the greatest happiness by giving satisfaction, nachas, to a parent, there are few greater joys 
few greater joys than giving nachas, no matter what your age is. No matter how old you are, there are few greater joys still than giving nachas to a parent. And those, and the same is true romantically with a husband and wife. The same is true with friendship. Hashem is described as Areya, as our friend. Right? That's uh, Hashem Ro'i Lo Achzar. He's Areya. He's our shepherd. He's our friend. So every, he's also our Adon. He's our boss. We go to work for him. He's also our master. We're his slave. Every human relationship is a metaphor, is an allegory for the relationship that we have with Hashem. And that's what I'm trying to get across. That's what I'm trying to work on in my own life, is that we are in a relationship. Relationships take nurturing. How many people, they, they don't feel they're in a relationship. Hashem is this abstract thing. I once read about him in a book. I once studied him in a philosophy class. I once heard about him in a shir. He's this abstract thing, and this abstract, amorphous, theoretical thing, I have this checklist of things that to be a good boy or a good girl, or because there are social pressures, I check off. I went to shul, I keep this thing called Shabbos, I lit the candles, I do the yontif, I do the check, 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 check. But on a daily basis, there's no relationship. There's no relationship. Kirsch Baruch wants from us, and the reason he created us, and the greatest happiness we can have in life, I was going to learn a different piece with you today, which we're not doing. It's a pasuk. It's a pasuk in Tehillim that the Ramchal focuses on in Mesilus Hashem, who says that the purpose of life is lehis aneg al Hashem. I love those words. Every time I come across them in Tehillim, I pause and I meditate on those words because they, I think, are incredibly powerful. Lehis aneg al Hashem. The word oneg means pleasure. Oneg Shabbos. Are you going to the Oneg? Oneg Shabbos is pleasure. It's the mitzvah of pleasure. Lehis aneg, first of all, it's interesting, it's hitpa'el. So it's reflexive. It's something you do to yourself. But basically, the Ramchal, based on this Pasuk and Tehillim, says, you want to know why created, God created a world? You want to know why you're here? It's very simple. To get high on God. Not on drugs, not on alcohol, not on shopping, not on clothing. You know how you get high? The most authentic, the most lasting, the most transformative the greatest high is to get high on Hashem. Hashem. There is no greater pleasure than being in a relationship with Hashem. If you think that you get joy when you give nachas to your parent, which is part of the human psyche, it's just how God designed us, that we get nachas from that which is superior to us, by Arya Kaplan, Zatzal writes about this in his books, we are designed, the human psyche is designed, that we get joy... I think we're going to get... Hopefully we'll get past the first sentence. We're going to come back in a second. But we are designed to get joy from giving nachas to someone superior, so to say, to us. So if your boss at work gives you positive feedback, there are a lot of studies that show, this depends on a personality type, but there are many people who prefer that than even getting a, a financial bonus. Yeah. And if your spouse, whose opinion you care about, and your parents, however you define people you look up to, give you approval, then that, that, that triggers something in us which brings, it's like an endorphin release, which is an incredible, incredible pleasure center within the brain and within the heart. It's something that we feel. It's how we were designed. It's an absolute truth of the human psyche. So if that's true when our boss says the kind thing, or when our spouse says the kind thing, or when our parents says the kind thing, then all the more so HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who's the makar, who's the source of everything, who's the ribon kol olamim, who is the master of the universe, who's the creator of everything, when we know we're giving him nachas. That's why Mesil Sasharim ends, the last chapter, the almost last sentence ends, that you know why we're here? To give nachas ruach to Hashem. Now we think that we're so fancy philosophers that Hashem can't have nachas, he's Akash Baruch is infinite and omnipotent and... Uh, ontological and axiological, we quote these fancy words, Hashem doesn't have nachas, he's not a human being. Hashem doesn't have anything. He doesn't get angry, he doesn't take revenge, he doesn't feel love, he doesn't feel. He's not human. 
But we are given all these words, anthropomorphisms, because we relate to Hashem through our own experience. So that's why we're told that. So we are to live life, and our mission is to give nachas ruach to Hashem. You want to look at that thing, you didn't look at it, you've just given Hashem nachas. Usually you walk out of the bathroom, you pause to say an asha yatzar, and your mind was there when you said it, oh, you gave nachas ruach. Someone was in pain, and you paused and stopped and gave them that dollar, gave them part of your meal, invited them, made that phone call, stopped and visited them, you gave Hashem nachas ruach. That's our mission, to give nachas ruach. Not because Hashem needs it, but because that triggers a pleasure center in our brain to know I've given nachas to the ultimate source, to the source of everything. We are in a relationship. And the core of a relationship is communication, which is what davening is. The Rav said that davening is our talking to God and learning Torah is God talking to us. Communication in two directions. The core of a relationship is communication. And you, gotta, you have to communicate. You've got to communicate. Even when you don't feel like it, you have to you have to communicate. Not each gender f- is motivated to communicate at the same level. But if you're committed to the relationship, you want the other person to feel that you've communicated. I saw somebody posted a picture. They didn't repost a the picture. They saw this with their own eyes, so I assume it's real. It was the sign on the outside of the men's and women's bathroom. On one door, it just said the word blah. And the other door, it said blah, 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 blah. From the top to the bottom of the whole door. And that's... I'm not, that's not my comment. I was deeply offended by it. No. So, blah. And the other door was covered. Blah, 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 blah. And that's described which bathroom was which gender. So, even when you don't feel like communicating, but communication is part of a relationship. And it needs, it's, it's what nurtures the relationship. It's what nourishes the relationship. You got to communicate. But you know what's another big part of a relationship? I do a fair amount of counseling. When I counsel people, I don't know that in 20 years anyone's come and said, we have a great marriage. We're just curious if you have any other marriage tips to make our marriage even greater. (laughs) When I counsel couples, it's because the marriage is in crisis. And often when the marriage is in crisis, there has been an absolute um, bankruptcy in the bank account of trust. Something is broken in trust. Whether it's a financial breach of trust, whether it's other, other forms of infidelity or breach of trust, but there's been a breakdown of trust. A relationship needs trust, and trust is like a bank account. You make deposits, you make withdrawals, you can put in a deficit, or you can have a surplus, but there's deposits and withdrawals constantly from the bank account of trust in, in relationships. Relationships need trust. So if, if, if we are in a relationship with Hashem, He is our spouse with whom we experience romance and intimacy and longing and love, He's also our parent and he's our boss. He's all these components which express in different moments and in different times and at different experiences and with different feelings. But those relationships need communication. We have to talk. We have to open up. We have to experience conversation. We have to go through his bodhidus. We have to talk. We have to make the space to be able to have a conversation with him. Not just the words of the sitter, real conversation. But they also have to do with trust. You know when there's a breakdown even in the best of marriage? When one spouse says to the other, I think we should do it this way, and the other one says... It's just so paranoid. No, it's not going to work out that way. And then the first spouse says, like, don't you trust me? Don't you trust me? I'm telling you, like, I got this. I know what I'm doing. We've done this before. Don't you trust me? And if the answer is no, I don't, well, where's the relationship? So Kaj Baruch is sitting there and he's saying, don't you trust me? I know it doesn't feel like it right now. You're going through hard times or challenges or something's been thrown your way that's throwing you off course. It could be minor and inconsequential and insignificant or it could be major and life-altering. But either way, Hashem is sitting back as our spouse and He says, don't you trust me? Because if you don't trust me, there's going to be a strain on our relationship. You can't say you believe in me. You can't say you love me 
You can't say, you know, I'm here. You can't say you're part of a covenant, a contract, a, a real relationship, and you don't trust me. Don't you trust me? That's the mitzvah of Dvekas. That's bitachon, which literally means trust. Don't you trust me? I'm here, don't you trust me? In a relationship. A relationship needs nourishing, nurturing, it needs communication, conversation, and it needs trust. And that's Tveikas. That whatever's happening at that moment, trust. I'm going to give you a minor story. And I always do these illustrations, not because I'm telling you. I, 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 I'm, the reason I do this class is because I need to work on it. And I'm always working on it. And it's made me a better person because I can't be a hypocrite who teaches about this and then doesn't live it. So last week I'm in New York with Yocheved. We were supposed to go for 24 hours. We had to do something. And, uh, and we're on uh, Central Avenue at the sidewalk sale, Yemach Shemova Zuchro. And that's uh, <laughs> why so JetBlue cost me a lot of money. And I get this email from JetBlue that the flight is canceled. Oh, oh there she is. I get an email from JetBlue, the flight is canceled. It's 12 o'clock and the flight is 6.30. So I call JetBlue right away. So like, what do you mean the flight's canceled? I got meetings tonight. I got meetings all morning tomorrow. I got to get back. We have children being watched for another child. Like, what do you mean? That wasn't my plan. That's not our, that's not our plan. So I call JetBlue and they say, uh, yeah, the airport mid is canceled because of weather. I said, I'm, I'm five minutes from the airport and I'm getting a sunburn right now. It, it's, it's beautiful outside. What are you talking about? No, there's going to be lightning storms, blah, 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 blah. Anyone else canceling their flight? I don't know. Any other JetBlue flight? I don't know. So my blood pressure is going up. Anxiety level is going up. I have this... I gotta rearrange my whole schedule. What's gonna be with the kids? We have to get back. This this wasn't the plan. What do you mean this wasn't the plan? And then like it just clicked. I said, you know what? You're not in charge of the plan. This is just circumstances. And all this talk about a moon and bitachon and dveikas, this is the most negligible example. People are going through real challenges. I'm not trying to frame this like it's the biggest thing. But I want to explain to you how all other anxiety is debilitating. And if you redirect it into a sense of fear, awe of Hashem, you're, all yira, all fear, all anxiety is debilitating, with the exception of one. Fear and awe of Hashem is liberating. Because you know what happens at that moment? Where we, we, we met on the sidewalk sale. We were not in the same stores on the sidewalk sale. So we had to get a meeting place and said, okay, JetBlue canceled the flight. The only choice is to go back tomorrow morning. We've got to make sure Atar can watch the little kids and Linda can rearrange the schedule and this has to be this and this. And you know what? We just did a paradigm shift from what's the matter with JetBlue and what's the matter with JFK Airport and the weather's beautiful and I had this happen and I can't believe it and what's going to be to this was meant to be. Dveikas. All right, I'm sticking with Hashem. It's not my plan, it's his plan. He's got a plan. Let's go with his plan over our plan. There's a reason for his plan. We'll st- again, it's a meaning. And once we did that, okay, so we got an extra. How do you want to fill our new night here? How should we use our more time here? And it just, and that's true in this silly, stupid insignificant example, but it's true in much more significant ones. Yes. You could lean into the moment mm-hmm. and say, this is Hashem's plan, how can I make the most of it? And extract a positive experience from it. It's liberating. Or you can let it overwhelm you and then ruin the rest of the time that you're now going to be stuck in that, in that place. The choice is ours. There are things that happen to us. There are people who interact with us. There are natural events that change the plan for us every day. We can't change people, we can't change nature, we can't change those circumstances. The only thing we can change is how we react to it. That's the only thing in our hands. That's the only thing that we're empowered by. Do we let it put a strain on us and our relationships? Do we let it compromise our dignity and integrity in who we are? Do we let it throw us for a loop and give us um, blood pressure and insomnia problems? Or do we say, you know what? We get it done. It'll happen. I can't change it. 
I'll adapt. I'll adopt. It is what it is. We're going to figure it out. I'm not going to let it rob me of my serenity, my tranquility, and my happiness. That's what Hashem is saying. Are you in a relationship with me or not? Do you trust me or not? I canceled your flight for a reason. We, we do this with our children, right? If our children, something happens and, and you, know, you redo something, why'd you change that? Why'd you? Do you trust me? I, I did that because I'm, you know, why'd you change my phone plan? Why'd you change my... I, this, do you trust me? I did it for a reason. I'm doing it for your own good. Do you trust me? Because Baruch says, yeah, I changed your plans. I know it's inconvenient. It feels inconvenient. But do you trust me? There's a reason. Do you trust me? And that's this mitzvah of dveikus. The mitzvah of dveikus is to lean in to the curveballs life throws your way. It's to interpret everything that's happening through this prism of there's a reason. Trust me. Just trust me. Maybe in your lifetime you'll learn why it happened that way. Mm-hmm. And maybe you won't. And maybe it will have a happy ending to the story. And this individual who I referenced, but I'll really tell you his story next week or in a few weeks, he died of cancer. This Breslover Chassid who had this incredible amuna. It's not a happy ending to a story. I mean, I'll tell you a little secret. We are all going to die someday. It does, you know, yeah. you're all, we're all going to. So you can't escape it. No. But we can, with the time that we have here, we shape and mold what the quality of that time is. With whatever those circumstances are around us, the people, the circumstances, the natural events, or it was beautiful weather, so the non-natural events. But whatever the circumstances, we can only control that component of us. And that's this mitzvah. That we've really just read the opening sentence, and that's it. Um, let's read two more sentences. That's why I got into this. Because I was talking about imitating Hashem. Of the greatest form of flattery is imitation. Hashem says, not only trust me, but I want what's important to me to be important to you, and then I'll make what's important to you important to me. And what's important to Hashem, the kind of people we are, those midos. Good. interprets, how do you fulfill this mitzvah of clinging, of sticking to Hashem? Stick with So meaning, if you have people who excel in their emunah, their avas Hashem, their yuras Hashem, Draw close to those people. Surround yourself with those people. Listen to the classes online of those people. Read the articles of those people. If there are people that can bring out the best of you, be close, cling to those people. And through those people, you'll cling to Hashem. But That is an interpretation of the Pasuk. But that's not the simple meaning of the Pasuk. You know, that, that's another layer of interpretation. Find people who are close to Hashem and cling to them. That's how you'll get close to Hashem. But that's not the simple understanding. Simple understanding is that each one of us can do it ourselves. The Torah is no extraneous word. This mitzvah, it's, it's repeated and formulated countless times. Really, not, it's not countless because you can count it. But many times in the Torah. So why is it repeated so many times in the Torah? I got it. Why is it repeated so many times? And why is it repeated in conjunction with Kedusha? So two mitzvahs that are repeated are to be sacred, to be holy, to be Kadosh, and Dveikas. And what do those two things have in common? That they are the two that are repeated so often. These are the questions of the Slanam Rebbe. And he basically says the following and tries to define what Tveikas is. He says, we can understand that based on the Avodas Yisrael and Masechus Avos, 
where it says the following. Gemara says, the Gemara says the following story. The Gemara Shabbos tells the famous story. There was a non-Jew who came to convert, and he came to Hillel, and he said, teach me the whole Torah on one foot. Standing on one foot, teach me the whole Torah. And what did Hillel tell him? What did Hillel answer? You want to learn everything on one foot? A to Z on one foot? Here it is. You could reduce, you could consolidate the entire Torah down to this one statement. You know what it is? That which you hate, which you wouldn't want done to you, don't do to your friend. The rest is commentary. So, because of Shishamati, Mimor of Rabbi Perishmada, Lachsani Lachaver, Chahinilis Chavrusha, Elakosh Borhu, Ludvikas Bashemo Solo Savid. So the Hasidish interpretation of this Gemara, of the statement of Hillel, is not what you wouldn't want done unto you, don't do unto your friend, as in your peer, physically, but what you wouldn't want done to you, don't do who's your greatest friend, who's your ultimate friend, Hashem Ro'i Lo Achzar, my Re'a, my greatest friend, is the Ribbono Shalom, is Hashem. Shehilo Nasan Lo Klal HaTorah. You want to know what the core, the motto, the bumper sticker, you want to reduce the Torah to one statement? Every action which is going to hurt and put a strain on your relationship with Hashem, don't do. That's what Hillel was saying. And the rest is commentary. So every moment that you have to make a decision in your attitude, in your action, in your behavior, ask yourself, will this promote and strengthen my relationship with Hashem? Will this hurt and put a strain on my relationship with Hashem? Which, by the way, again, coming back to what we were saying before, it's true in every relationship. Our relationship with Hashem is no different than our other relationships. You know when you have the best marriage? When you say to yourself, I know I'm thinking and feeling this right now, but if I say it to my spouse this way, will that make them feel closer to me, more in love with me? Or will that put some distance between us? I know right now I want to react to my child this way, but if I react in that way, and if I just let it out bluntly, will that make my child a better person? Will they hear me? Will they listen to me? Will we be closer? Or will it drive them further away? Right? So it's true in every relationship. To be thoughtful in everything that we say, to not necessarily say it the way we want, to craft it more strategically, and to not say everything we're thinking. There's no mitzvah that every thought you have, do you have to say? There's a famous comment. Not everything you think, do you have to say? Not everything you have to say, you have to write. Not everything you write, do you have to publish? That was said many, many years ago. And today you would add the addition to it. Not everything you, say, not everything you think you say, do you have to post or email or, or text? Right? Not every thought the universe is waiting for you to actually share. Some of them can stay inside and let them disappear as quickly as they came. You're not going to change the world with it. So it's true in every relationship. Is this, is this a good thought or a bad thought? How will, this, how will this communication result? In people feeling closer or further apart? In, in promoting this relationship or in driving a wedge in it? And the same is true in our relationship with Hashem. And that's what the Salaam Rebbe is saying is the pshat in that Gemara. Hillel was saying, means... Ask yourself, will this put a strain on the relationship? And the rest is commentary. What's the commentary? Every positive mitzvah is an opportunity to cling to Hashem. And every negative commandment is saying, I'm going to stay away from the impediments that are going to hurt my relationship. And therefore, don't do it. And that's the sort of the whole Torah. And that's what he says. We're, we're really out of time. But in the rest of this piece, which you have and you can study in your own time, we barely scratched the surface of it. It's a very beautiful piece. But what he says is, Dveikus is using mitzvos in a mindful way. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu throws opportunities every day 
from how you tie your shoes in the morning to make the bracha on the coffee that you drink. Did you say moda'ani? What did you watch on the TV? What was your first text? How did you respond to that person's email? There are mitzvahs every day. Did you say shacharis? Did you? There are mitzvahs every day. 613 positive mitzvahs. If we do them, and not just do them with empty action, but we do them with thoughtfulness, mindfulness, and a sense of presence, we're connecting to Hashem through them. I went to the bathroom. Oh, Baruch Hashem, I had to go to the bathroom because afterwards my Asher Yatzer reminded me about what a gift the blessings Hashem has given me. I got to Daven. I said the Birchas HaShachar. I didn't just fly through Birchas HaShachar and I don't even remember if I said them today, yesterday, the last month, the last year, the last lifetime. But every day I remember each bracha. Thank you, I have shoes. I can walk. Thank you, I can see. Thank you, I have clothing. I can wear. Each bracha, I'm clinging to Hashem. It's a love note to Hashem. Each mitzvah is an opportunity and an invitation to connect with Hashem. That's what dveikas is. Dveikas is doing the mitzvahs with mindfulness, with consciousness, with the goal of clinging, of connecting to Hashem. So when my kid texts me, could you put more money on my debit card? I say, oh, Baruch Hashem, it's an opportunity and an invitation to a relationship with my daughter. I call her, how are you? How's Kent? What's going on? Why do you need more money on the thing? That bid for connection feels like a tzivui, feels like a commandment, but really it's an invitation for a relationship. So Kodesh Baruch Hu says, I'm sending you invitations all day. Here are the positive ones. When you do them with mindfulness and you do them with the intention of feeling closer to me, you're clinging to me. We're better and more connected. And here are the negative ones. Here are the impediments. And when you avoid them, no, you're avoiding putting a barrier or driving a wedge into our relationship. And those are the negative commandments. So Dveikas is really all about the mindset that we bring to the mitzvah opportunities we already have. You don't have to take on something new, and you don't have to do something extraordinary. It's do the mitzvahs you're already doing, but do them with mindfulness. Do them with the goal of being in a relationship. A relationship needs communication. A relationship needs trust. A relationship waxes and wanes. There are feelings of closeness and more distance. It's fluid, the relationship. It changes all the time. Be in that relationship and feel Hashem's presence in our lives each and every day. Have a great day.